I want you to go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 6. That's where we're going to be in God's Word this morning. Mark chapter 6. But I also want you to go ahead and flip backwards to Mark chapter 1. How many of you love to take a test? I I only saw one or two hands go up. How many of you like to take an open book test? Okay, that's better. All right, so go to Mark chapter 1. Now, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, but but I want to have an open book test this morning. And and it's it's Mark chapter 1 is where the content is going to be. And and how many of you like a one-question kind of test? Not really? See, my kids always said, Coach Thomas, how many questions are on the test? And they always asked me that because they would try to do the math and go, if you put a lot of questions, that means I can miss this many and still get an A. They, they didn't like it when I gave essay tests and I said, there's only five questions. They really didn't like it when I gave an essay question and I said, hey, there's only one question. Well, I got one question for you this morning, okay? According to Mark's gospel, chapter one, what is one important thing Jesus came to do? I'll even give you a hint. I'm a good teacher. I'll give you a hint. Look at verses 14 and 15. Look at verses 38 and 39. According to Mark's gospel, chapter 1, what is one important thing Jesus came to do? I'll tell you. Jesus came to proclaim, to preach the good news. That's what he came for. People people ask me all the time, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus have to come? Jesus tells us very clearly in Mark's gospel, I came to preach the good news. I came to proclaim the good news. And what is the good news? The good news is that God loves you. That God loves you. That God loves you so much that he would give his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come and live a perfect life, to die a sacrificial death, and to rise up out of the grave to defeat sin and death once and for all. Jesus said, I came to preach the message. What was the message he preached? Well, I gave it to you. Right there, Mark chapter 1. His message was simple. Repent and believe. That was his message. Repent and believe. Believe the good news. See, I believe that when, when Jesus speaks, when he proclaims, when he preaches, I believe two things will happen. There will be a reaction to what he says and does. And then there will be a decision with him, for him. Did you hear me? I believe that when Jesus speaks, I believe that when Jesus preaches and proclaims the good news, there's going to be a reaction. We see the reactions all the time. We've seen them already in Mark's gospel. But we also see more than reactions. We see decisions that are made. And I believe it's the same today with you and me. When Jesus speaks to us, when we see the words, when we hear the words, when we receive the words, the message that Jesus preaches, oh, we react. We react, but we also decide. And I'm going to tell you something. In the moment, indecision is a decision too. See, I believe when you use words like this, well, I'm not sure yet. You just made a decision. I believe when you say something like this, well, I'm going to wait until, guess what? You just made a decision. You might say, I haven't decided yet. Oh, yeah, you just made a decision. See, indecision is a decision too. But I want to tell you some good news, right? 
Here, here's some more good news. I didn't come to hammer you today about a reaction or a decision that you may or may not have made in your walk with Jesus. All I came to do was tell you the truth of the gospel. That's all I came to do. I, I came to tell you the truth of the gospel. Mark uses a word. He's already used it multiple times, and we're going to see him continue to use this word over and over again throughout his gospel. There's a word that Mark uses more so than any other word when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to his message, and when it comes to his works. And that word is amazed, right? Have you seen it already? Mark said, Jesus said this, and they were what? Amazed. Jesus did this, and the crowd was amazed. We see that word over and over again. People were amazed by Jesus. As a matter of fact, that word amazed, let me tell you what it means. The word amazed means to feel and or to show great surprise and wonder. That there's a Greek word, and we'll get there, but there's a Greek word for the word amazed that means astonished. And that word astonished means to be wowed. Wow. But I want you to see something in the Scripture today. Being amazed is just a reaction. Being amazed is not a decision. It is a reaction. That's all it is. It, it, listen, a reaction holds no weight in light of eternity. Our, our reactions to Jesus don't matter between now and there. It don't matter. The only thing that matters is the decision. The decision we make when it comes to Jesus. Is it wrong to be amazed by Jesus? Absolutely not. I think we should be. But being amazed by Jesus don't get you right with God. It's receiving Him as Lord and Savior that makes you right with God. And that's it. So we have a reaction and we have a decision. So since it's not, to be, it's not enough to be amazed by Jesus, the truth that we need to hear today is we either have to receive Him or reject him. That's the decision that has to be made. Receive him or reject him. One thing we know about Jesus is that Jesus came to preach the good news to who? Anybody want to tell me that answer? Thank you, Chris. Everybody. Somebody said it loud up there. Everybody. Listen, Mark's already told us Jesus preached on this side of Galilee. And then he went to that side of Galilee. And then he came back to this side. Listen, Jesus is going to preach the good news to anybody and everybody. Because he came to seek. He came to save the lost. And that is Jew and Gentile. Speaking of the other side, have you ever heard, have you ever heard of home field advantage? Anybody ever heard of that before? Right? I, I thought about this. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, we saw Jesus go to the other side, Right? of the Galilee. He went to the Gentile side. He went to the uh, opposing side, if you will. And, and, and Jesus did a miracle. He performed a miracle there. He cast out uh, a demon and, and a man was saved. And then he came back to this side of Galilee. And I like to look at that as, okay, that's the, that's the home field. That's the home turf. When I coached basketball, I love playing in my home gym. Right? There, there was something special about playing in my home gym. First of all, the crowd was on my side, right? I, I heard the crowd rooting for me as opposed to rooting against me. Uh, my kids felt more comfortable in my gym. You want to know why? 
Because that's where we practiced every day for hours, right? They, they were used to that environment. Uh, it, it was true. I look back at my stats all the time. It was true. We were better in my gym most nights than we were in any other gym. We won more games in, in, in my coaching career at home than we did on the road. I, I, I wish I could say home field advantage was in play in this passage of Scripture today, but guess what? It is not. There is no home field advantage in Mark chapter 6. As a matter of fact, I think it's a home field disadvantage. So Mark chapter 6, you're already there. Let me just tell you, in Mark chapter 6, you can also find the parallel account of this story. In Matthew 13, you can also find it in Luke chapter 4. As a matter of fact, when I was doing my studying, I loved looking at Luke chapter 4 with Mark chapter 6 because in Luke chapter 4, we get a little more detail, right? Mark is very straight and to the point. He says this, 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 now do something. <laughs> Luke says, now let me tell you all the in-between of this, this, and this. And so in Luke's gospel, in chapter 4, we see that Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth. And he did there what he did in every other place. He went to the synagogue and he preached. That's what he did. In Luke's version, Jesus unrolled the scroll and he began to read from Isaiah chapter 61. And he began to read from Isaiah chapter 58. You don't have to turn there. I put this on the screen for you. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 4 beginning in verse 18. Jesus is in the synagogue He's in his hometown, and this is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Don't miss that. Jesus said, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And look at verse 21. He began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Think about this for just a moment. This, this was the word become flesh, preaching the word. <laughs> that blows my mind, right? This was the, the word that was written before we got it. Reading the word that was written. <laughs> I, 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 that blows my mind. I'm going to tell you, I'm amazed by that. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm wowed by that. Jesus is reading himself. <laughs> Luke tells us at first the crowd was amazed. He uses Mark's word, amazed. As a matter of fact, Luke tells us that they spoke well of him. But as Jesus continued to teach them, and as Jesus began to tell them that he, in fact, was the Messiah that they were looking for, Luke goes on to tell us in verses 28 through 30 that the crowd became furious, right? So they were amazed, they were speaking well, until Jesus said, I am. Then they became furious. Not only that, do you know what the crowd did? They walked him over to a cliff. They walked him over to a cliff. And the Bible says they did that in order to throw him off. But Jesus walked right through the crowd and went on his way. 
So what we see in Luke's version of this story is that the crowd reacted to Jesus and then they made a decision about Jesus. So with that in mind, what Jesus said to them, let's look at Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown. Now we know that's Nazareth. Accompanied by his disciples. You may say, why does it say that? Because a rabbi has followers. So this wasn't just some random man. This was a rabbi. This was a teacher. This was Jesus. His disciples were with him. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were what? What's the word? Amazed. What does that word mean? Wow. They were astonished. Look at the question. Where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? The questions sound pretty good on the surface, don't they? But watch how the questions change. Because look at the next question. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And probably one of the saddest verses in the Bible is this verse 3 right there at the end where it says, and they took offense at him. So here's what we know. What we know is they were amazed. What were they amazed at? They were amazed at his words and they were amazed at his works. We know that because of their questions, right? What's this, what are these things he's saying? What, what are these things he's doing? That they were astonished. They were wowed by Jesus' words. They were wowed by his miracles. The Greek word, and I, I want to tell you this, the Greek word for amazed is the word ekpleso. Ekpleso. It means wow. That's what it means. They were wowed by Jesus. They could not deny what he said. When Jesus spoke, he spoke with all authority. I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus spoke, he didn't need your amen to feel better. Now, I know I ask for it a lot. <laughs> right? Two things. I want to make sure you're listening, and I want to make sure you heard me right. Right? But I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus spoke, he didn't need your amen or my amen because he spoke with all authority and all power. I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus worked... He worked with all power. God's power. But remember, to be amazed is simply a what? A reaction. That's all it is. It's just a reaction. Right? It's a reaction. What really matters is the decision. So what happened in their moment of amazement? Their moment of amazement led them to what? Questions. Now people ask me all the time, Brother Jeff... Is it okay to, to, to question God, to, to ask God questions? I, I'm going to tell you, I do believe that if you have a question, you should go to God with it. I mean, who else are you going to go to with it? Where else are you going to go and get the answer? Right? Not just a answer, but the answer. But I'm going to tell you, when you go to God with your questions, it's all about the purpose of your heart. It's all about the attitude, right? 
of your heart. So these are not just any questions. These are, are, are questions that come from an attitude like, and this is just me saying it, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? We know who he is. He's a carpenter. But you ask the question, isn't this Mary's son? Now, you may look at that and just breeze right by it, but let me just tell you something. Back in Jesus' day, back in this culture, little boys weren't known by their mama's name. You know who they were known by? Their daddy's name. So, so when little boys were recognized by their mama's name, it was a slap in the face. That's what theologians and scholars tell us. This was not just a a random question. Isn't that Mary's son? No, this was like, (laughs) that's Mary's son. And you know what they thought about Mary? Yeah. They thought this woman who had a baby out of wedlock. It was a slap in the face. So they looked at him, and this is a carpenter. This is that little baby that was born out of wedlock. So guess what? They were amazed. Their amazement led them to questions. And their questions led them to a decision. And their decision was to take offense at Jesus. That was the decision they made in this moment. Their reaction was, wow. That was with their eyes. That was with their mind. Superficial at best. What happened was they made a decision with their heart. Because everything we say and everything we do flows from the heart. That's not my words, that's God's words. They chose with their hearts not to believe that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah that he said he was. I want you to look at that word offense, okay? Because the word offend in our dictionary, it means to cause difficulty. It means to cause discomfort. To cause dislike. It means to cause anger. Anger at something that has been said or done by someone else. That's what the word offend means in our Merriam-Webster dictionary, in our worldly dictionary. But the Greek word here that Mark uses for the word offense, it's actually our word scandaliso. Okay? Sounds like the word what? Scandal. Okay? Well, let me tell you what the meaning of the word scandaliso, the meaning of the word scandal, the meaning of the word offense in the Greek language, you know what it means? It means to sin. Woo! It means to sin. It means to fall away from. It means to go astray. That's what it means. See, I believe we live in a culture that we're just easily offended. Am I, am I right? We get offended by everything. All day long. I'm going to tell you, if you want to be offended, just take a deep breath. And you can look around and you can listen. And and if you choose, you can be offended. I was telling someone the other day, I might not ought to go there, but I'm going to anyway. Just to help people understand. When you're driving in a parking lot, okay, and all of the cars are pointed in a certain direction, don't come down the other direction when there's only this much room to drive a vehicle. Because when I back out to go straight and you're looking at me like I'm an idiot, you're wrong. I'm doing what is right. There's a big arrow painted in the parking lot pointing that way. 
It means don't come this way. I get easily offended at people like that. I was telling somebody else, I was singing Jira. Jira, you are enough. And in one moment, I took a breath, and here comes that car, and I wasn't singing Jira no more. You ever been there? We live in a world that's just we're easily offended. We're just offended at this and offended at that. They don't do this right. They don't do that right. They don't do this right. They don't think right. They don't live right. Just chill with the offense, okay? Because the real meaning of the word offense is to sin. It is to fall away from. It is to go astray. And that's what we're talking about right here. This isn't just somebody, you know, making you mad because they're not doing something the way you want it done. This is somebody making a wrong choice. This is someone making a wrong decision, and it's sad. They were offended. They were so offended, Luke's gospel tells us they were ready to throw him off the cliff right then and there. They were ready to kill Jesus right then. But Luke tells us Jesus, power of the Spirit, walked right by him and right through him. You want to know why? Because he had power and authority, and it wasn't his time to die. Oh, he was going to die at the hands of the same people? But not that day. So watch this, Mark chapter 6, verse 4. Jesus hears them, he sees them, he knows what they're thinking in their minds and their hearts. And verse 4 says, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And look at verse 6. He was amazed. Huh. Even Jesus was amazed. But this is not good. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So again, Jesus, he's already quoted Isaiah. We saw that in Luke's version. But he quotes Isaiah again right here in verse 4. This was another wow moment. And they continued to take offense at Jesus. I also want you to understand, verse 5 could be confusing. If you just look at it with our modern dictionary and our modern understanding of language, you would look at this, verse 5, where it says he could not do any miracles there, and you would think, well, they shut Jesus down. That's not what it means. Let me just tell you, it wasn't that Jesus did not have power. Rather, Jesus limited his power to work miracles because of their unbelief. I'm just telling you, church, if you want to see God stop moving and God stop working, then choose unbelief and see what happens. Choose unbelief and see what happens. Dr. David Jeremiah says this, Jesus did heal. Mark tells us right here, Jesus did heal a few sick people there, but their unbelief prompted Jesus to limit his ministry there. If we do not have faith to believe in God's power, it won't be long before we will cease to see and feel God's power. Mm. It reminds me, what did we just read in Mark chapter 5? Last week we looked at it. 
In Mark chapter 5, verse 36, when Jesus was speaking to Jairus about his daughter's death, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. In other words, don't succumb to this reaction to the bad news you just heard. What did Jesus say to him? He said two words, just believe. Thank you. That's what he said. We just saw this. Jesus reassured Jairus. In my words, it was like Jesus said to Jairus, Hey, I know your reaction. I know your reaction to the bad news this crowd just told you about your daughter being dead. But right now, you need to move from your reaction and you need to make a decision. And that decision is believe. Just believe. And I'm going to tell you, you know the story. He did believe. And guess what happened? His daughter was raised to life. Not just physical life, that baby girl was saved. She had eternal life because the I am gave it to her. What happened, what happened to Jairus could have very easily happened right here in Jesus' hometown, but, but in truth, what did happen? What happened to many of these hometown folks right here in Mark chapter 6? I'll tell you what happened. They rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. This was a blatant and open rejection. They made a decision in this moment not to believe. They chose unbelief. When they saw Jesus, they didn't see the Word become flesh. They didn't see the Son of God. They didn't see the Messiah who came to redeem them and rescue them from sin. No, they saw the carpenter, boy. They saw Mary's son. They they saw uh, the brother of James and and Joseph and and they saw the the brother of these sisters who were there with them. That's what they saw. It it reminds me of of John's gospel. I'm going to tell you, people ask me all the time, Brother Jeff, I I just, I was asked this question this weekend. I I really haven't read the Bible much and and when I have, I just, I don't get it. Brother Jeff, where should I start? I'm going to tell you right now, and I'll tell you every time from this point forward, start with John chapter 1. I love the gospel of John. I I just love the gospel of John. And and what's happening right here reminds me of what John says in John chapter 1. Listen to this, verses 10 through 12. He was in the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, those who believed. There's that word again. Those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen? I'm so glad today I'm a child of God. And it's not because of me, it's all because of Jesus. I have made a decision in my heart to turn from sin and believe Jesus lived for me, died for me, and rose from the grave for me. And that settles it. It's done. Nothing can change that. Nobody can change that. My God's got me. I'm a child of God. I'm going to tell you this word amazed. It's, uh, I've been thinking about it a lot. Did you know that there are two times in Scripture 
You may know this, but if you don't, I want to, I want to show you this. Did you know that there are two times in, in New Testament Scripture when Jesus was amazed? I've already shared one with you. We'll get there in just a second. Two times in Scripture, the, the, the writer of the gospel says Jesus was amazed. Only two times. You know what the first time was? It's in Matthew's gospel. Jesus was amazed. Jesus was amazed by the act of faith. Don't miss that. The act of faith of the Roman centurion. Matthew chapter 8. This man believed in Jesus. He believed in the power of Jesus and the authority of Jesus that all Jesus had to do was speak a word and it would be done. You're saying, wait a minute, didn't you just say Roman centurion? You just put two words together that are like double negatives. You said Roman and then you said centurion and you said he believed Jesus? Absolutely, I did. Goes against the grain, doesn't it? It's kind of odd to say a Roman centurion believed in Jesus, but he did. What was the characteristic, what was the defining characteristic of this Roman centurion that brought him to a place to where he could see Jesus as his Messiah? I'll tell you what the defining characteristic was. Humility. Humility. Don't tell me you've ever come to Jesus if you hadn't been humble first. Don't tell me that. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me who Jesus is to you without first talking about the humility that you had to embrace and that you had to display. Humility always comes before the right decision when it comes to Jesus. Let me show you what I'm talking about. You don't have to turn there. Just listen. Matthew chapter 8, verse 8. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve. That's a good way to start when it comes to Jesus. He says, Lord, that, that's the first key right there. He called him Lord. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. That's humility. That's humility displayed. That's a reaction to who Jesus is. And then there was a decision If you just say the word, it will be done. That's belief. He believed in Jesus. Listen to this, Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. It's the same word. The same word. It means, wow. Have you ever thought about that for just a moment? That your Lord, your Jesus, your Savior can be wowed by you? Tell me, that don't blow your mind. That blows my mind. That that Jesus was wowed, right? He was wowed by a human being that he came to save. Why was he wowed? Because he displayed an incredible act of faith. Jesus, I don't deserve for you to come under my roof. So if you're just standing right there where you are, Miles away from where my servant is. If you'll just say it, just the word, he will be healed. Let me read it again. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Not only that, listen to this. He said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. 
Let me ask you a question. When Jesus says something, is it pretty important? What did Jesus just say about that Roman centurion? He said, I've been all over Israel, right? Hometown, Jews, people who know the Scriptures. I've been everywhere. And what did Jesus just say about the Roman centurion? That no one displayed what? Faith like he did. Mm. Tell you what, before I pat myself on the back and before I pat you on the back, I'm going to think about that. Because we use words lightly all the time. Jesus never used words lightly. When he said something, he absolutely meant it. Matthew 8.13 goes on, and Jesus looked at that centurion, and Jesus said to him, Go, let it be done just as you believed. And his servant was healed at that moment. So before the Roman centurion even got home, I believe his servant was up and well and doing whatever he was supposed to be doing. Jesus was amazed by the act of faith of the Roman centurion. And what we see here in Mark chapter 6 was that Jesus was amazed by the lack of faith of his hometown. Since I love words and love making sure you understand what words mean, the Greek word for lack here, okay, When we think of lack, if we're not careful, what we think of is we think of something's available, we just don't have it. Uh, We think of, oh, I'm running a little low. But the Greek word for lack is actually the word apistia. So let me tell you what pistia means. Pistia means faith. So apistia means no faith. It means no faith. It actually means unbelief. So when Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith, he was saying, it wows me that you won't believe. That, That you choose to not believe. That you have no faith. I kept digging. I was like, this can't be the end of the story. For a lot of those, I don't know. I don't know the crowd that was there that day. I believe it was a lot of people. I really do. I know it wasn't a big town. People tell us that Nazareth, theologians tell us that Nazareth at Jesus' time probably only had between 300 and 500 people there. Uh, When you had a synagogue, you had to have at least 12 men of the age of 13 or older to have a synagogue. And so I just believe there was a crowd there I believe since his brothers and sisters were mentioned, they were probably there. I just know there were a lot of people there. And as I dig through the scriptures and I look, I I don't see any other conversations about many of these people. It does bless my heart that James, right? We do know that James came to saving faith later. Thank God for that. Thank God for second chances, amen? And third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances if he chooses to give them. Thank God for them. James and some of the others did, in fact, make decisions to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. But I'm going to tell you, for me, I can't help but read this passage of Scripture and think of Joshua chapter 24. We just finished the book of Joshua on Sunday nights. And in Joshua 24, here's what he said. Choose for yourselves this day. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. 
That's what I hear. That's what I hear. You can decide today to receive Jesus into your heart. It starts with humility, just like that Roman centurion who believed and said, I don't deserve to have you under my roof. You know what I say? I cry out and I say, Lord, I don't deserve for you to come into this dirty, filthy, sinful heart. I don't deserve it. I know who I am apart from you. I know what I deserve. I deserve the cross. I deserve the wrath of God, not you. But Lord, if you just say the word, I know that I'll be healed. And I know that I'll be rescued and redeemed from who I am. Let me just tell you something. There are people here today, maybe. There are people listening right now. And maybe they're saying, I don't deserve it and so I'm not going to ask for it. I've gone too far. I've said too much. I've done too much. It's too late for me. I'm going to tell you something. If you still got breath in your lungs, it's not too late. The Bible is clear. Romans 10, 11 through 13, as Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between the Jew or the Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who will call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I don't care if you're sitting right smack dab in the middle of your sinful self. You can stop right now and say, Lord, I don't deserve it, but I believe you. Lord, I turn from this sinful life and I trust you. I believe in your life, your death, and your resurrection. I call on you to save me. What does the Bible say? All who call upon the name of the Lord, what? Might be saved, right? Say that again? Oh, will be saved. There's a big difference between might be and will be, right? Might be and will be. See, we might feed you tonight if you come to church at six. We might. Now, the Bible says you will be saved. Here's what I want you to see in Mark chapter 6, and I hope you do. Don't get stuck in amazement. Don't get stuck in amazement with Jesus' words, with Jesus' works. Don't get stuck in a reaction. You must make a decision with Jesus. You must. A reaction's not going to cut it. Hey, listen to me. Your reaction today might be different tomorrow. And your reaction tomorrow might be different the next day. Listen, when it comes to reactions, it's always different, right? A decision is final. Make a decision with Jesus. Make the decision today. Isn't that what Joshua would say? Make a decision today to receive Jesus as your Messiah. It's personal. Jesus came to save you where you are. Right here, right now. He came to save you. So cry out, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. Not just a Savior. You are my Savior. Call on Jesus today. He will save you. Humble yourself. Understand 
Understand what sin is. It is rejection of God. It is rebellion against God. Sure, we give it all these funny names, right? Lying, stealing, killing. We, 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 we put all these tags on it. But let me, let's just tell you what sin is. Sin is rejection of God. It is rebellion against God. Who he is and, and what he is. and it, It's just rejection of God, rebellion of God. That's what sin is. Understand what sin is. Understand what the penalty of sin is, right? Because Romans tells us that the wages of sin is what? It's death. I know what we think of. We think of physical death. Heart stops beating. Right? It's, it's more than that. It, it, it's not just physical death. It's spiritual death. It's to be separated from God forever and ever. And the Bible tells us to be separated from God. It's to be separated from life. Light to be separated from heaven to a place called hell. And I don't know about you, but I've read the Bible and I know what it says about hell. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Burning fire that never ends, that can never be quenched. Let me tell you something. Death is eternal too. Have you ever thought about that? Death is eternal too. And Satan and the demons and all those who choose to make a decision to reject Jesus will pay the penalty of their sin for eternity. Jesus has made a way for you and me to be right with God. Jesus has paid for your sin and my sin and all we have to do is repent and what's the word Jesus said? Believe. Repent and believe. Isn't that the message of Mark chapter 1? What's the message Jesus preaches over and over again? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Make a choice today. Joshua said, choose for yourselves today whom you were served. You know what he said after that? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you said that? Can you say that? Will you say that?